Hello and welcome to Prince Track by Track. Today we're going to be talking about When Doves Cry from Purple Rain, which was also featured on the hits The B-Sides. It was actually the very first song on the very first side of the hits The B-Side. That's how prominent uh, it was featured. Uh, recorded on the 1st of March 1984, the final track recorded for Purple Rain and released as a single on the 16th of May 1984. So the gap is barely kind of 9, 10 weeks uh, from recording to single, something which I'm sure Prince was happy with because that's that's what he wanted to do all the time, which is have songs get out as quickly as possible. It's just Prince on the track by himself. Uh, it's 5.52 on the album or on the video if you watch the video. Uh, it's 3.47 on the single edit, which had the B-side of 17 days. It was Prince's first number one on the Billboard charts. It was also number one on the Black Singles charts and number one on the Dance slash Disco charts, which at that point obviously had been merged. What was the point? By 1984, Disco was uh, distinctly on the downswing. Uh, it only reached number four in the UK, and it was number one for five weeks in America. And joining me to talk about this track is Wendy Mays. Hello, Wendy. Hello. Let's get straight into this song. One of Prince's kind of biggest hits, uh, his first kind of legitimate hit, you know, his first number one. It's such a kind of um, important song, uh, and obviously prominently featured in the film Purple Rain. And I, I think everyone, if they know anything about Prince, they know two things. One, he likes the colour purple, <laughs> not the film, the actual colour. And two, <laughs> he has something to do with doves and something to do with them crying. Um, and, you know, this is this is kind of one of the two kind of biggest hits of his career. Sold something like two million copies. When Prince died, it, it kind of it reached it kind of uh, re-entered the charts in a number of countries um, in 2016, getting all the way back up to number two on the uh, Billboard Hot Rock song. Oh, wow. It's an interesting song because it had a bass line. But after some discussion um, with uh, Jill Jones, Prince decided to remove the bass line because he wanted the song to sound different. Obviously, it has the very prominent Lindrum machine um, and it has a, a looped sample of Prince uh, making that kind of that odd noise that, he, <laughs> that is at the very beginning of the song after the after the guitar solo kind of dies down and you know at the end of the song there's a there's a guitar solo and a synthesizer solo but um you know basically there's no bass and that's the kind of that's kind of really interesting for us you know a song that does this well a song that was released as a single to have this kind of very strange kind of sound that it's basically got no no bottom end as far as genre goes i'd say you know just a, a kind of a straight up kind of rock song i think it's a pop song you know like it's you know a pop r&b song for me so that's how i would classify it i don't know i guess not mis necessarily rock just pop but it's one of the yeah. you know it's it's kind of hard to also classify it in a genre because it's such an iconic 80s song that it's just, yeah. when you think of the 80s, you think of like this song, a Madonna song, and maybe like, you know, <laughs> like a Eurythmic song or something like that. Like those are the songs <laughs> that you think of when you somebody talks about the 1980s. Well, I mean, this year you would have had, um, you would have had, you know, Michael Jackson still releasing stuff off Thriller. So you would have had like Beat It. That's true. Yeah. Michael Jackson's another one. And, and you would have had like, uh, like a Virgin would have been released, I think this year. I think it was Holiday was the year before. So, yeah, they all kind of fit into that kind of category of just kind of like 80s songs. Exactly. Um, and I think it's funny that Prince opens with kind of like this weird kind of like 50s hipster speak where he's like, dig if you will the picture, mm -hmm. which, you know, is such a kind of, 
I don't know. I, I just love the fact that he, he's kind of like dig is the first word. Well, I think it's it's so like how, how they would have termed like jives talk of like the 70s yeah. kind of thing. Um, so to use it in an 80s song um, to to shell out to like all these like suburban white kids is kind of great. That gets them all saying that, you know, like first right out of the bat. It tells a story. One that doesn't, I mean, it features quite prominently in the film. There's a point where the manager, you know, he, he says to Prince, um, you know, he's got three acts. Um, obviously the debut of, uh, of Apollonia six means that he's going to have four and he doesn't need four. And he asks him, what would you do in my position? And this kind of sends Prince off into a spiral. In the previous scene, he'd actually slapped Apollonia, uh, which, given that she's like a foot taller than him, <laughs> it's a little comical. I mean, you know, obviously one should not condone any violence, you know, towards anyone. Um, but it, just the idea of Prince slapping Apollonia, she falls down in such a kind of comedic way. Uh, that it's it's hard to imagine this kind of like four foot something guy slapping this almost six foot woman um, with any kind of force to knock her anywhere. Um, but you know, throughout the, the the as it plays in the film, we see snippets of you know uh, Apollonia and Apollonia six rehearsing. We see Prince riding around on his bike, you know, looking out in the in the streets of uh, of uh, Minnesota, or should I say Minneapolis? And we see, you know, um, little bits of Prince in full stage costume breaking up his mother and father who are fighting, mm. and it's kind of it's kind of odd to see him with his full purple coat and his gloves and everything, kind of like getting in between. Um, his mother and father. Yeah, I always laughed at that part in the video where they would show the movie <laughs> clip of that because it looks... He's also, like, his hair is so bouncy when he's doing it. So yeah, he just, as he runs Yeah, in. he just yeah. looks like this little squirrel getting in there, like... <laughs> like, he looks like a little yappy dog um, going to town trying to break yeah. these two people up. The whole point, you know, there's a certain elements in Purple Rain which are uh, autobiographical in a certain sense, uh, there's others that aren't, um, you know, and in the song, obviously the chorus, you know, it it asks Prince, I don't know who he's asking this of, but he, he's saying, maybe I'm just too demanding. Maybe I'm just like my father, too bold. Maybe I'm just like my mother. She's never satisfied. Uh, and then obviously, you know, why do we scream at each other? This is this is what it sounds like when doves cry. You know, I'm not sure who he's asking this question of. I thought he was asking like his lover, right? Because it's kind of about like a f- like a fight between I lovers. I mean, I guess yeah, because he's he's saying you and I engaged in a kiss. The sweat of your body covers me. Right. Um, yeah. So I, and he's asking. Yeah, I guess that's the person who he's asking. Yeah, so I think, like, he's looking at, like, his parents' relationship and then putting it onto his own, and maybe, like, that's why they're, you know, like, their sex could be great, but then, like, everything else is just terrible about them. Yeah. Um... <laughs> maybe I'm reading, I'm probably reading way too much into this, like, you know, <laughs> to the pop song, but... No, I, yeah, I know, I, th- I think that's accurate. I mean, you know, the way that it just opposed the lyrics with what's going on in the film and what with what's going on in the you know, in the music video as well, kind of does the same thing. Worth mentioning, of course, that in the music video, it starts with just Prince in the bath. Love it. Fully naked, just getting out, staring staring at the camera, crawling across the floor. Love it. You know, which is not in the film at any point. But I do like that someone, you know, Prince... I'm guessing Prince is the one who was in charge of directing that. And he was like, yeah, what if I start in the bath? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure someone was like, um, okay, Prince? <laughs> <laughs> there's all these doves that are going to... There's going to be rose petals and doves all over the floor. It's going to be great. Within the film... Um, we ne- I mean, I wouldn't say that the, the you know the the father and mother are kind of like um, underwritten, but 
you know, when the song ends, Prince kind of like turns up and his mother's just like sitting outside her house, just like on the on the pavement. Um, you know, obviously they've had like a, you know, another argument again. Um, and, you know, in the film, it's kind of felt that, the you know, Prince's father's kind of failure musically is, you know, what kind of makes him angry. And obviously, you know, that's the Prince doesn't want to fail as a musician and kind of go down the same route. Um, the song doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really kind of say anything about the plot of the film, um, but it doesn't really need to. Um, you know, it's kind of Prince being very poetic with his whole, you know, dream if you can a courtyard, an ocean of violets in bloom, which, you know, is, is such a great kind of lyric. And the very puzzling animals strike curious poses. <laughs> Yeah, and I, don't, I don't know what that means, but okay. Yeah, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of talk about heat, uh, and later on, he talks about how you know, like, touch if you will my stomach, feel how it trembles inside. Um, you've got the butterflies all tied up. So yeah, I mean, really, a huge amount of story apart from you know, Prince kind of just those kind of three verses, kind of saying very brief things about you know this relationship that he's talking about. Um, but it's mostly the chorus that I think people remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the question about whether or not he is like his father or, or his mother. Um, and I should say, erroneously, on other episodes of this podcast, I had said that Prince in real life, much like in the film Purple Rain, had a, a mother who was white, but he did not. Um, and that was just something that kind of, in early interviews, he kind of... Uh, he lied about uh, the the race of his mother for some reason. Oh, um, and yeah, I know it's That's a common really misconception. Weird. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess it was an attempt to maybe not scare off white fans, um, you know, and kind of maybe hint at him having a you know uh, a biracial background, uh, which you know was not true. It's probably also a thing of um, because he's so light skinned. I bet he got asked what his race was a lot of the times. So maybe he yeah. feel he felt like he had to justify his his lighter skin in a weird way. Um, yeah, that's really bizarre. This is something that, you know, I had been fooled by for many years um, and had said on the podcast and uh, it had been pointed out to me that that was incorrect. So, huh. you know, I feel I should correct it. Yeah. Um, especially because Purple Rain, you know, having, um, you know, uh, a, a white actress playing the mother kind of supports uh, that kind of incorrect information. It's worth talking about the video, uh, which, you know, has uh, Prince and the Revolution in their full finery mm. um, dressed, <laughs> dressed to the nines. It's funny, actually, because I did see a comment. Uh, now that Prince's YouTube channel is the thing that actually exists and they can upload videos without uh, Prince taking them down, basically. On that video, someone had made the comment that basically everyone was dressed like wallpaper <laughs> apart from the... Apart from Dr. Fink, who for some reason is wearing medical scrubs. Love that. Um, which I thought was a, a kind of an interesting observation. But yeah, it was well known that at this particular time, Prince would design all his own costumes. But then when the revolution came along, he also designed their costumes. So when you see the band, they are dressed as Prince wanted them dressed. Um, and Prince takes advantage of, you know, like the, the video technology of the time. And we have this weird kind of mirror effect mm-hmm. where you have two princes dancing against each other and, and you know, the prince doing dances. Yeah. The faces, the, the full of... frontal faces, like are full screens. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
Yeah. It's so amazingly <laughs> 80s. Yeah, so after the whole kind of like getting out of the bath thing and, you know, some of the clips from the film, we then have, you know, the performance of the revolution kind of all dancing in sync, uh, as as noted by one person, apart from Dr. Fink, who is just behind the keyboards, uh, you know, playing keyboard stuff. Um, but uh, the weirdest thing being, of course, that none of them, apart from Prince, actually played on the track. Um, nah. but, you know, it's nice that Prince started putting the revolution into videos and, you know, making it feel like, you know, there was actually a band behind him and it wasn't just, you know, by, you know, one man band by himself. Um, and, you know, I, it's a it's a great video. I mean, the song is so great. You know, I don't feel like I can really say anything that will kind of make anyone want to listen to it. Obviously, you know, at this particular point, you've probably heard it. Even if you aren't a Prince fan, you know, it's just one of those huge kind of crossover hits. Um, and, you know, I love it from the kind of the opening guitar all the way to the kind of the the kind of the end bit where Prince is just singing Darling Don't Cry and kind of looping it around and around and around and around as the kind of as the song ends with like kind of a, a keyboard uh, kind of flourish. Um, and on the album, this this was, you know, essentially the, the start of side two. Uh, you know, the previous side had finished with um, with Darling Nikki and had finished with a little bit of kind of uh, backwards talking. Um, and this is, you know, this is the start of side two and, uh, you know, a really kind of strong opening track for the second side of, uh, of any album. But yeah, uh, is there anything else you feel, you know, we need to say about the <laughs> the lyrics or the music? Um, not really. I would say, like, I think I kind of... I, so I rewatched the music video right before we, we, we were talking here, and I kind of forgot how much of the movie they show in the, the music video. Like, all I remember really yeah. is, like, that bath scene. And I had almost... <laughs> I had forgotten that they even show them at the very end, but, like, it just shows him in the, that bath scene. And then it's, like, two minutes of just, like, edits from the movie. And then the last, like, yeah. 30 seconds is the band playing. So most of the music video is just, like, <laughs> the movie. Uh, which I thought was really funny. I remembered, like, the whole thing just being him crawling around near a bathtub. Uh, so it was kind of <laughs> funny to go back and rewatch the, the, the video there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think obviously, you know, uh, having songs from movies have like clips from the films, obviously, you know, be- became something that was, you know, like uh, quite prominent in the 80s. Yeah, but I feel like they used to like intersperse them a little bit better, whereas like this was <laughs> just like, no, this is what happens in the movie. <laughs> He's going to break up his parents fighting. They're going to make out by the water. Uh, <laughs> it was just kind yeah. of funny that way. I mean, I guess obviously, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember when uh, you know the film was released, uh, and I think it was about um, it's about two months after this single was released. Mm. So this essentially would have would have almost like worked as like a, a trailer, yeah, to kind of to promote the film for a couple of months before that, it actually came out. Yeah, that makes sense um, then. <laughs> Whereas I think uh, other videos from uh, you know this um, from the from this uh, album, they have a little less of the whole kind of you know clips from the film feel to them. Uh, I think Let's Go Crazy and, and Purple Rain. There, I mean Purple Rain has a lot of the performance from the film, but it also has like other little bits and pieces in there. Right. Um, but yeah, you know. So I mean, obviously, uh, I would 
you know, I would say a simple five out of five. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. No, this song is like perfection. And it's like so spot spot on Prince. There is a great performance on the Live Sexy 88 tour. If you can, if anyone can find it anywhere on the internet. It was on the internet and now it's been taken down. Um, but it features in the second half of, of the of the, um, of the of the of the the show where Prince is kind of doing his more spiritual songs, um, and it's not a huge performance. It kind of immediately segues into another song, um, and most notably in 1990, MC Hammer, uh, at the height of his fame, um, sampled the main riff of this, uh, the kind of like the drum beat and the the synth. Uh, and used it for the song Prey. Um, and uh, I actually have the 12 inch of Prey uh, because MC Hammer sampling Prince songs was what got me into Prince. Um, <laughs> That's so, awesome. You know, so so I, I, I had Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. And on there, you have obviously Prey. You also have um, She's Soft and Wet, which samples Soft and Wet. And you also have uh, something which samples Let's Work. So I'd already kind of heard Prince songs before I became a Prince fan the following year when uh, when Get Off came out. Yeah, like I'm impressed that Prince let him use samples of his songs just because I feel like Prince had such ownership over all of his music that I'm uh, I'm surprised that he lent out anything. Because I was actually like, I couldn't remember if there was like a Weird Al version of this. So I kind of quickly just like, oh, what was the Weird Al <laughs> version of When Doves Cry? I can't remember. So I Googled and I, act- and I found out that like Weird Al, like for years would try to get Prince to let him do like a you know, a joke version song of his songs. And and Prince was like the one artist that for 20 years would just be like, nope, can't do it. I won't let you do it. You're you're not allowed to make a parody of my songs. And I found that so fascinating. So with that knowledge, I'm impressed that like MC Hammer was able to get some samples (laughs) from Prince, was able to use some of his music. And of course, if you've ever heard the story as told by Kevin Smith of him trying to get permission to use a couple of songs um, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, um, you know, and the extent to which he had to spend like hours and hours with Prince and he still never got permission. Oh, for wow. Those songs. That's funny. Like he basically spent like three days in Minneapolis, like in Paisley <laughs> Park with Prince and he still didn't get permission. So the, you're right. The fact that MC Hammer kind of got that sample in there. I have a feeling this is in the era when hip hop artists did not ask for permission. Uh, they 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 sought forgiveness, so they just used the sample and then paid up. I'm trying to think of like when Vanilla Ice's hit came out because he got into trouble for that. Although I don't, he, did yeah, they he successfully did. He sue? So I don't. It's it is around that like iffy time where people did use samples, and then maybe people didn't realize that they could sue people for it and be like you can't you can't that's my music you can't just take it and make it your own well i i do i do know that uh, mc hammer at least gave credit to prince oh, okay whereas vanilla vanilla ice never gave credit to queen and that maybe that's what show. it is yeah he actually gave credit yeah. where like vanilla ice would be like no it's this way and theirs is this way <laughs> yeah his defense is always the most is that is always the most funny thing to ever watch where he it really he just said he just sings the riff and attempts to say oh no mine's completely different yes it's got an extra upbeat exactly so it is interesting that mc hammer kind of managed to get that i i still quite like the song pray um i'm not religious in any way yeah but i do think it's got some kind of you know it's got some fun delivery of some lines yeah. and 
It's catchy. Yeah, you know, he knew how to put out a hit. Exactly. You know, the worst, the worst you could say about MC Hammer is, he, you know, he, he knew what made a hit. If you're a fan of The Simpsons, there was an episode, uh, I think it's season eight, uh, Lemon of Troy. The lemon tree is stolen from Springfield by Shelbyville and um, various children go to Shelbyville to, uh, to recover it. And Milhouse ends up in a situation where someone is about to hit him and he says, is this the end of Milhouse? Uh, to which the other kid then reveals his name is Milhouse, and <laughs> they they end up um, you know hugging, and um, they actually misquote it because Milhouse says says this is what it feels like when doves cry instead of it sounds, sounds like. like yeah yeah but I st- I st- <laughs> that line still makes me laugh just because the idea of two blue haired kids called Milhouse hugging and crying you know <laughs> thinking this is what it's 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 just a funny moment and as a Prince fan as soon as anyone quotes a Prince lyric I immediately notice it exactly um, you know particularly obviously at the time being a huge Simpsons fan I still am a huge Simpsons fan that's you know uh, I know people are very critical of the more recent work put out by the Simpsons. Um, but, you know, much like Prince, I uh, once I'm a fan, there's no there's no telling me that, you know, it's something is no longer any good. <laughs> um, I'm with them until the end, basically. Um, so, but yeah, and obviously this song, you know, it's been covered a number of times. I don't know why, but for some reason in 1996, it was covered twice, quite prominently. Um, there was a version by an artist whose name I, I'm sure I'm going to mangle, which is Quindon Tarver. Uh, he did a version for uh, the Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack. Um, and in the same year, Genuine uh, of Pony fame, <laughs> um, he also did a cover version which sounded as you would expect a, a Genuine song to sound. Um, although his vocals are so quiet, it's very hard to make out what he's saying until he gets to the chorus. And there is a version by an artist called Alex Clare. Uh, which sounds almost like a kind of dubstep version that was kind of done in 2011, which I did not enjoy. <laughs> and then there's a Dami- Damien Rice version, which if if you know Damien Rice, it sounds like you would expect Damien Rice yeah. to sound. It's just sad. him and his guitar kind of just doing the song. Being really sad. Um, there is also a live version by Annie DeFranco uh, from like 1998. I can't remember which festival she performed it at. But that's, you know, it's quite a fun version. As I said on some other episodes, I'm not really a fan of people covering Prince songs because... <laughs> They're never as good as Prince. When it comes to this particular song, the fact that Prince, you know, left off a bass line and, you know, you have this very specific kind of like sample of him making that noise at the beginning and, you know, the the, the kind of guitar at the start and the kind of the strings at the end. Like the production of the song is as important as the kind of the structure of the song and the lyrics. Um, So, you know, you can, of course if you want just kind of sing the lyrics but you're not really getting the essence of what the what the kind of song what made the song great basically yeah. um you know was was kind of prince's production and his kind of choices um you know and if you you know if you haven't got the lynn drum machine playing that that riff then what's the point of listening to the song <laughs> um, you know um and interestingly enough when prince did perform it live he, you know, he didn't let his bassist take a song off. Um, you know, Brown Mark in particular kind of added a bass line to the song uh, when they when the Revolution performed it live. And you know, later on, you know, other other bassists when Prince did perform the song live also added bass lines um, to the song. You know, Prince did. You know, he performed this song quite frequently in the eighties, uh, and then he kind of dropped it for like a decade. 
Um, and then kind of at the end of the 90s, he started performing it live again. And then once again, he dropped it for about a decade. And then in the last kind of five, six years of his life, he, he kind of started performing it again. As I said on other other episodes, you know, Prince had so many songs, obviously he couldn't perform every single song all the time. But I find it interesting that he kind of performed it for a few years after it was a hit. And then I get the feeling he probably got sick of performing it. Yeah. Because uh, even on the Love Sexy video, the performance is very kind of, it's about a minute and a half of it. It kind of goes from one thing to another. And, and when Doves Cry is kind of in the middle. Um, so, you know, it's obvious that he kind of didn't want to, you know, do a full performance of it all the time. Uh, which I can understand. I can understand that artists kind of get tired with their songs. And Prince in particular was well known for, you know, as soon as the album was out, he was already recording the next album. And he was, in his mind, you know, the album that was just released was from last year and it was it was in the distance, basically. Such a kind of, you know, successful song, such a famous song. It is ranked number 52 on uh, Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Uh, and it was put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Oh, nice. Uh, such is its prominence. Um, you know, uh, Prince has uh, quite a few songs on the, the, you know, Rolling Stone 500 greatest songs of all time. Um, not like a, a huge amount. Um, you know, I'm sure you know there are other artists such as I don't know the Beatles and various other people who have a, a lot more songs. Um, but you know, I still think 52. That's not bad. Uh-uh. You know, that's you know that's in the the kind of uh, the top. Uh, what is it? My math is going to be terrible. Top here. top ten percent. Yeah, top ten like percent. So, I don't think I'd argue with that. You know, it's definitely a top ten percent song. I would say for me. Uh, and of course, I mean, we didn't mention it earlier, but yeah, there are doves in, in the bathtub. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they're kind of flying around. Yeah. Um, and I just, I and, you know, um, many people who visited Paisley Park after this, they did note that in the reception area of Paisley Park, Prince did have some cages with some doves in. Oh my gosh. So like, that was kind of like, you know, his, his you know, his thing was just to have, have these doves, uh, you know. Um, and in the year-end 1984 chart, um, When Doves Cry was number one. It was the best-selling record for the year. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, you know, it, sh- it should be obvious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's such a well-known song. You know, just basically the song that kind of crossed Prince over, you know, finally. Um, he'd had hits with 1999, Little Red Corvette, you know, uh, a couple of other songs off that album had also kind of performed well. Um, and he'd kind of started to cross over, but it really wasn't until this single came out, you know, went straight to number one and stayed there for a few weeks. And that cemented Prince's reputation. You know, this was, he was a star now, you know, he was, he justified having a single name. Let's put it like that. Uh, you know, there are very few people who get away with taking a mononym and Prince is one of those, I think. But yeah, so, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about this song before we finish? Uh, no, I think that you covered it all. Um, yeah, it's just such a iconic song. It's, 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 <laughs> it's almost hard to talk about because you're like, well, everybody knows this song. There's no like, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, if I don't, I would be shocked. I guess maybe like kids today may not know it, but like if somebody was like, I'd never heard that song before, I would be flabbergasted. And and the thing is as well, it's one of those songs, you know, obviously Prince returned to it kind of, you know, once a decade basically. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's one of those songs where, like I said, in 1996, for some reason it was covered a few times and then kind of, earlier this uh you know earlier this decade it was covered a couple of times so you know obviously other people returned to it as well that's true yeah Um, but yeah 
you know, I, it's it's just one of those songs, and the fact that it recharted last year, you know, uh, when after Prince's tragic death, you know, uh, it's just one of those songs. That I think, you know, if people have listened to this and they didn't know what the song was, yeah, then I would be surprised. I think there's going to be a lot of episodes once we get into the new year. Uh, where I'm talking about, you know, tr- album tracks off off of, um, you know, like Symbol or something like that, and people aren't going to know the songs that I'm talking about. But in this particular case, I feel like everyone listening to this podcast should already know what this song is. Yeah. They should probably already agree that it's five out of five. Oh, uh-huh. And it's probably one of Prince's best songs. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of the best. Let's go to plugs then. Is there anything you wish to plug, Wendy? Uh, sure. So I have a podcast. It is called Pet Cinematary. Uh, we take a deeper look at the roles that animals have played in cinema. So you can check that out on any kind of uh, pod place that you download podcasts from. Uh, and then I also have a Twitter and Instagram account, which are both just um, petcinematary.com or petcinematary.com. And then the website is PetCinematary.com. You can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track, or you can follow us on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you could email us, don't know why you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks very much for being my guest, Wendy. (laughs) Of course, thank you. And otherwise, goodbye. Mm